Welcome to the Talent Talk with Robert Walters podcast, where we speak to business leaders around the globe to bring you the latest trends and insights from the world of work. Welcome to Leading from the Front, a diversity and inclusion podcast series by Robert Walters. Over the coming months, we will be speaking with industry guests discussing all things diversity and inclusion. I'm Suzanne Feeney, Director at Robert Walters Ireland, and joining us today, we have Gavin Hennessy, Head of Diversity and Inclusion for Irish Life Group in Ireland, which employs over 2,500 staff. Gavin's team also supports the Canada Life Europe uh, business in its Dublin campus. Gavin, you're very welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining us. Gavin, you've been leading uh, Diversity and Inclusion and Irish Life Group for a number of years now. Where did your passion for driving a more equal and diverse workplace come from? Well, uh, thanks very much, Suzanne, for having me, first of all, and delighted to be here. Um, I think it's a really great question, and I suppose there's probably two parts to it. Um, from, um, I suppose, to give a bit of context, I think most people in the DNI space have some sort of lived experience that kind of uh, drives them to kind of want to provide, um, you know, better access to education or employment. Um, and I very much fit into that category. Um, from a personal point of view, um, I suppose a lot of people see me as a white, privileged, educated um, male, but I think under the surface, um, you know, I'm, I, my background is from, I'm, I'm a member of the traveling community, um, and a lot of people wouldn't know that. Um, and it's something that, you know, has really driven my passion for diversity and inclusion. Um, the Irish traveling community are really um, still to this day very discriminated against in Ireland. Um, so my passion to provide access to education and employment comes from that personal lived experience. Um, I think from a professional point of view, um, I had an initial career in international development um, where I worked a lot of overseas in uh, East Africa, India and uh, places like that. And I think, you know, um, as you get to a certain age, um, you, a, a lot of that traveling becomes um, a bit tiresome. Um, and while I loved the work, um, I really wanted to transition back home um, and have a more, um, I suppose, more, more of a job um, in, in Ireland, but I suppose trying to find an area that um, really kind of lived into my passion of helping people um, while still, um, I suppose, uh, providing um, a, a great career path for me. So um, the space of diversity inclusion really provided that great transition where I could transfer my skills from the international development sector into the corporate sector and um, I must say that they've transferred very, really well and um, really kind of diverse um, diversity perspective from my point of view mm -hmm. has been really helpful for the corporate world coming from that more non-profit charity space. Gavin I mean was there a defining moment when you realized that you know you could be a very active driver of change within this area is there any point you know obviously the, per personally professionally when you realize actually I, I can really be a catalyst for change um I, I think you know going, going back to maybe college I, I studied international development and food policy at UCC initially and uh, we used to have lots of debates in 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 class around you know um what was the best approach and and um even to this day, you know, I, I still kind of define people as, you know, um, warriors or, or diplomats in a sense. So you had the warriors who just wanted to hit it head on, you know, and, and really just kind of 
go straight at the problem. And I was always in that diplomat space in the sense that, you know, I always felt like working with everyone was the best solution to to making a change. Um, and, you know, that's really stood to me in my in my career. Um, and I suppose the there isn't really one defining moment where I, I could see where I was a catalyst for change. But I think some of my favorite moments in my career are when you open that door and provide access to a service with someone that that, that were that was a, a barrier to them previously. So some of the programs I've worked on is um, you know, like the first um, the first uh, physiotherapy program for kids in Uganda, um, a community to, um, physiotherapy program. Um, I've worked on the you know the first Syrian refugee integration program in Ireland, um, uh, fast tracking Syrian refugees um, into um, employment in Ireland, um, and in programs like that we've established at Irish Life, um, where we've established the first um, corporate family caring program um, in Ireland. So it's all those, um, I suppose, moments in time where you've provided someone with that kind of, I suppose, pathway um, and open door to walk through themselves and kind of be the change that for themselves so I, I very much see myself as a facilitator rather than you know an actual change maker so um my job is to open the door and, and let other people run through it and gavin there there are so many um initiatives and programs i think you've only probably given us a, a sprinkle of them there that you've been involved in whether it's in the, the corporate world or um on the not-for-profit side uh but are there any particular initiatives or projects that you're really proud of that you really feel they made such a difference or really affected change? Yeah, I think one of my um, favorite programs I worked on, um, it, it's, it's very close to yourselves and Robert Walters um, geographically, is um, I led the, um, the first youth employment um, initiative in the northeast inner city in Dublin, uh, Dublin One, um, where I worked with uh, Trinity College um, a number of local businesses and the community organizations to provide access to employment for the most hard to reach young people in the area. So these would be young people who would come from really challenging backgrounds, um, uh, would have dropped out of education and would have really found it difficult to access employment. Um, so we developed a program there to provide work readiness training and then access to some of the top companies in Ireland in terms of work placements. And um, it was researched in by Trinity College. And I think one of the proudest things was the graduation ceremony that we had at Trinity College for those who took part. Um, and then the research found that it had a 90% success rate. So um, seeing that journey from the first interview when people felt like that they didn't have the skills or expertise or um, the drive to do it and then coaching them through that whole process, which was my role um, and seeing them at the end at Trinity College, you know, getting their certificates with their parents um, and really kind of having all these mentors and, and networks developed. Um, and most of those people now are, have either gone on to education um, or are in employment. So I suppose that's probably one of my proudest um, because it, it is very much a, a program at home and, you know, um, very much still local to where I work um, and live today. That's amazing. And it just really changes the opportunities as well that, that people have in front of them. I think what's been really interesting around the DNI, you know, conversation in the last few years, I think particularly in, in financial services, um, has been such a weight on the gender side that it's so important to remember that inclusion is about so much more than that. Um, and, you know, I, I'm really interested in, you know, your move from the not-for-profit sector 
to the more corporate, you know, you've worked kind of in the tech yeah. um, and financial services um, side. So really keen to understand or get your views on, on key challenges that you've seen kind of in those sectors just around um, DNI, you know, in terms of, of making improvements. What like what's your experience um, in recent years kind of on the, the corporate side around making change? Yeah, I, I think um, the perspective that I learned um, almost to keep myself sane working in the international development sector is around, you know, not trying to fix everything and being really focused in terms of your interventions. Um, and, you know, coming into the, the corporate scene, then um, that's something that I really noticed was that we were trying to do a little bit of everything and really not making an impact anywhere. Um, um, and I know even when you talk about gender as a single topic, you know, it was trying to do everything in relation to to gender and really not looking at what are what are the core kind of challenges? What are the real hotspots here for our organization and how do we tackle those? So, for example, you can you can run um, a female uh, leadership program um, and you can, you know, have everyone take part in it. But realistically, if your problem is at a certain level, you know, you should really focus that program on that level um, and make sure that people are getting through that kind of hotspot, you know. Um, and I think, you know, having those targeted interventions and really kind of fixing any broken rungs, as, as McKinsey call it, um, are really important. Um, and I think that's the the kind of the knowledge I've taken from the nonprofit sector, um, being really targeted, really focused, and brought it to the the um the corporate space um the other other thing as well is you know working in partnership in, in the non-profit space you know funds are really tight um in the corporate space we're not the best at at cooperating or, or having partnerships with people sometimes um uh but what i've really found is you know not trying to reinvent the wheel so finding an expert um in the field whether it's a non-profit itself or or, or a non-government organization um, they've really accelerated um, our programs. So instead of trying to design something in-house, um, do it ourselves, which a lot of organizations do. Um, you know, I have a, a really great network of supporters in, in the DNI space now who I can pick up the phone and innovate with, you know, um, as soon as we've done something and, and, and want to go further. Um, and that's really great. Um, and I, I think if there's any DNI professionals, you know, listening to this podcast, one of my big points is, you know, it can be a very lonely role sometimes you know you can feel like that you're pushing up a, a boulder up a hill um but having those partnerships and having those organizations really kind of um i suppose provide a support network and provide you know that that really great um, um opportunity to to um to look at different ideas um and look at different ways of, of doing things and get them getting their support to 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 push to push open um that door as i said before or or, or help push that boulder up the hill. And what about because you mentioned an interesting point there in terms of you know the the the, the DNI piece. You know you can be in a lonely space. You know trying to um, drive this forward um, in an organisation. You know, and I think some um, DNI professionals will certainly will find it challenging where they're trying to kind of bring around um, change and potentially an organizational culture is that this is a tick box exercise that yes. you know it's something that needs needs to be done and, and just let, let's get on with it I suppose what's your your guidance or you know advice to people um who feel that DNI is just a tick box um for companies yeah um, I, I think um definitely um I suppose 
um, be really relevant for, for Robert Walters in a sense of if you're looking at a DNI role um, and you're looking at, you know, some key things that you need to look at in terms of, of the role description is, you know, where does the where does the uh, DNI role sit in in the organization? Who does it report to? You know, um, what is the level of of influence you will have? So, if you are the first DNI, you know, hire, and the role is, you know, very far down the pecking order, the amount of influence and change that you're going to have in that role is going to be limited. Um, but I suppose so. One of the things I've learned is. Um, when I look at a role from from a diversity inclusion perspective, is where where is it positioned and who do you report to, and does that will that give you the influence to make change? And um, because at the end of the day, it is it is a really strong change management um, portfolio. And I think you know when you're in an organisation, then as well, sometimes DNI professionals feel like they have to do it all themselves. You know, and I think one of the the biggest things that I've learned is that you can't do it all yourself. You know that you have, and that's where I said before, where I see myself as a facilitator, as a consultant. Um, so I work through some amazing volunteers. You know, in our organisation, we have a DNI governance um, steering committee. Uh, with over 20 um, of our of our senior leaders from across the organization and, and they're really the DNI champions and and the people who, who get the work done um, uh, on a day-to-day basis so my role is to guide them to support them to facilitate them um, in in making sure that they have budget that they have the leadership support you know all those different type of things and that they're they're what they're doing is best practice you know um and very much um i suppose we follow at irish life um a methodology in a sense that we call our triple a model so first we build awareness on the topic that we're looking at the second a is action um so we don't want to just keep building awareness or talking about a topic we want to take action on it and in the third piece, which is the most important and relevant piece to this point, is the allies. So what is the community? Um, what are the supporters that you can build around a topic? Where is, you know, maybe BAU for this topic as well? So um, as a DNI professional, we can get, you know, really bogged down in, you know, programs as we develop more and more. Um, and sometimes we feel like that it has to be owned by DNI. Where, where realistically you should be finding a space for in your organization where that is BAU, whether it's your L&D department, your talent department, um, or, or, or other spaces. And as a DNI professional, you need to have those conversations to make it BAU in a sense. So, and I suppose um, that very much um, is, is in, in, in essence of, you know, how you can kind of be more of a change maker in the organization by moving on to the next topic and not holding on to something for yourself. Fantastic. So AAA, awareness, action and allies. Exactly. Yeah. And if you think about it in terms of change management, you know, it's very much is a change management methodology, you know, that you want to, you know, build people's awareness and and, and kind of change their thinking. You want to kind of to action, make some movement and and in with the allies uh, piece that you you, you kind of want to make sure that it it sticks and and that it it really is, you know, um, going to be sustainable in the organization. An important point that you mentioned there was, you know, in terms of your steering committee and the volunteers that are part of that is the involvement of of senior people or leaders in yeah. the business. So they're championing, championing that as well within the organization, which, you know, shares the message that this is important um, yeah. and it's something that people uh, believe in. What what is your advice though to a line manager maybe um on how to build a more inclusive team because 
I think there are a lot of um, line managers who maybe are not at a, a senior level and perhaps maybe don't fully have that level of influence organization-wide yet at that point in their career. What can line managers be doing um, to, to help build a more inclusive team? Yeah, I think, um, again, as I've developed my career, I think the most important person, and you'll see this in, in, in a lot of research around DNI as well, is middle managers, line managers. You know, they're the person day to day who have to carry out any of the, the changes that you make as a, as a DNI professional. Um, I think it, 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 it's really important to recognize too that they're really a, a kind of, I suppose, squeezed part of the organizations because they're kind, trying to manage up and trying to manage down as well. And a lot of um, our DNI programs are focused on line managers. So, um, in essence, you know, we've taken. Um, we've done lots of programs to, to support line managers in that way in, in being more inclusive in how they manage um, but I think some practical elements is to, uh, to for yourself and for your own team is to look at your system and processes um, and, and how you go about things so if you're in, in recruitment you know where do you look um, or where does your recruiter look um, for your for your um, your next employee you know for your recruitment um, you know ads you know what what is the terminology that you use there you know is it inclusive you know if you're looking at things like um, promotions you know do you do you give people you know higher higher um, uh, grades in terms of um, if, if, if you like them you know do you do you take time to to stop and think of you know all the work that's done in your team and 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 the different individuals um, there to make sure that you're not having any bias in terms of your decisions and equally with succession planning and things like those. So I think the big number one thing I would say to any line manager is pause, stop and think and say is is there any you know bias coming in here um, in in terms of my decisions and 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 those kind of I suppose moments to pause. Are really important before you make that decision, um, and they really can influence how your your team is, um, uh, I suppose, develops. Um, and then I think the the second part is just to listen, you know, so um, and to really listen and make sure that everyone has a voice in your team as well. Um, and and that's really important. Sometimes, you know, when we're when we're mo- especially in this in this current environment, you know, that sometimes you know we can, yeah, some people in your team mightn't speak for a number of Zoom meetings, you know. And and I was at um, an event there recently, and uh, a really good tool that was suggested was around having a list of everyone who's present at the meeting and just put a tick next to their name every time they speak, and then towards the end of a topic or or the point that if there anyone who doesn't have a tick next to name, then you can ask them for their opinion or if they'd like to, and I thought, that, or if they'd like to, to contribute. And I think I thought that was a really nice way of just a practical element of, especially in this current climate, you know, um, when you haven't, you know, when you're not looking at everyone around the table, that, that that's something that's really um, a really good tool for inclusiveness. Definitely. And it's really interesting, Gavin, because a thematic assessment of diversity inclusion by the central bank of the insurance industry found that most entities in the sector don't have a DNI strategy or and DNI is not sufficiently prioritized within the business. But um, from a firm's perspective, um, a lot of firms responded that there there was actually real difficulties in collecting data on DNI in, in terms of their HR systems, but also around, you know, managing sensitive um, information. I I think one of my key takeaways though, from what you've uh, mentioned there is that, you know, even outside of your complex HR systems and 
access to information that actually your, your line manager, middle management actually has a really, really important role to play within that because within the uh, confines of their own team, they do have access to the, the information and that taking a step back and, and looking at how the team is formed, um, you know, how people communicate, how in- inclusive it is, even potentially for other people to come on board and, and join is really, really important. So, you know, I think the the point is that DNI everybody has a responsibility for it um, and for, for driving change. What about um, if we consider then job seekers and, you know, people out kind of in the Irish market, you know, actively looking for um, a new position. What are your tips to professionals who are really actively seeking an inclusive company culture? Um, what questions should they or can they ask or, or what should we what should they look out for to get a sense of um, how inclusive an organization's culture is? Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, you know, it, 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 it I think it, it's really important to look at, you know, lots of organizations have snazzy reports and, and snazzy sections on their, their websites. But, um, you know, I think you can get really um, a good sense in terms of their recruitment process itself and how that made you feel, you know, so um, the people you've met, you know, their approach to you, you know, can give you a really idea of, of their corporate culture. Um, I think equally, you know, there's always that awkward moment at the end of an interview where you're, you're saying that do you have any questions for us, you know, and I think, you know, really kind of um, respectively, you know, or, or respectively just um, delving a bit deeper into their DNI, you know, like could you tell me some examples of your DNI programs? You know, what does DNI mean to your senior leadership? You know, those type of things, those type of questions can really give you a sense of of where a company is at. And if the recruiters are are, are stumbling, you know, over their words or or maybe looking for for um, you know the the the, the reports under the table or something like that that'll give you a sense of in terms of of where they're at as an organization i think if you know um a a recruiter turns around and has you know a really kind of you know happy experience of a certain program and stuff stuff like that that will tell you that you know that it's gotten true to everyone in terms of dni and that people are really getting it and that they've had some sense of belonging within their dni program and Gavin, just going back to to um, what you mentioned earlier on, just about you know minority groups kind of in Ireland, just what what challenges still remain for minority groups in in Ireland? Yeah, I, I think I would have seen um, experience of this from a, a multitude of perspectives. So, um, from my personal experience being part of the Irish traveling community. Um, from working in places like business in the community, um, where, which provides inclusive um, employment programs for, for minority groups. Um, you know, there still is a lot of stigma and there still is a lot of discrimination within the Irish market. Um, and you, you will, like, if you talk to any leader of any uh, ethnic minority group, um, they'll, they'll have each of their own personal experiences. Um, so I think, you know, we really need to look at, again, um, you know, how do we access minority groups? You know, how do we make sure that we're communicating to them that our organizations are open and safe um, places for them? Um, you know, how do we provide opportunities 
for maybe um, parts of, of maybe minority groups who have fallen out of formal systems? How do we provide access points, whether through education or whether it's through um, employment? I think apprenticeships are great options there for people as well, um, because what sometimes people forget to realize is that different cultural practices within minority groups, you know, don't lend to maybe going to college for four years um, and, and maybe getting your master's. So earning and learning is, is a very important part, you know, for certain minority groups as well in terms of, you know, um, being able to, to still work and still learn and get your qualifications, you know, um, is really important, you know, and I think, um, I think, what we need to do is to make sure that we're, um, you know, providing those those processes and maybe those spaces as well, where if there is challenges, um, if you are maybe like the first or, or, or part of a minority within an organization, that there is those spaces and processes to to um, to find support and to to report any issues that you might be having as well. And I think just maybe to finish that point as well, that. You know, sometimes organizations, particularly in DNI, can, you know, um, want the most diverse candidates and, and try to hire as many diverse people as, as they can. But sometimes their organization and their organization culture isn't ready for that level of diversity or that uh, that level of maybe diversity of thought and challenge. So I think I would also look to organizations to really look at your systems and processes and how you do things and, and see, does is that you know, open to change and open to new people and new ideas. And Gavin, just with regards to the current environment with everybody, you know, remote working, I, I think there's just so much uncertainty from an economic perspective. It's just, it's so unclear, um, perhaps, um, how long people will be in restrictive um, or with restrictions and, and perhaps you know, remote working and working from home. But for you, what's maybe what's your hope or vision for for twenty twenty one in terms of developments around DNI in Ireland? Yeah, I, I think you know we, we can focus on all the negatives and the kind of really want to acknowledge all the people who are unemployed or you know in difficult situations at the moment. But I think one of the positives that we can look at, um, and I've already seen to happen, is around you know accessing people who maybe weren't based in the capital city so whether it be Dublin or London or, or any of the major urban areas now we have an opportunity to access people who maybe were in more rural areas in other parts of the country um, and for one reason or other couldn't you know move um, to where the jobs are at now I think for 2021 jobs are going to be more and more flexible more um, ability to be remote um, and that will really I think um, share the wealth in a sense um, um, more equally across um, Ireland and the UK you know and, I, and hopefully I think you know I think as an organization we're talking about definitely not going back to the the normal of, of what we had before this and looking at a hybrid model um, in terms of, of how we do things and really focusing on any um, you know any any time in office around collaboration and, and innovation you know and and really kind of um, I suppose connecting with your team um, and, you know, that's really going to be what we're looking at going forward. Um, so I think, you know, the big hope for 2021 is that obviously that we, we get a vaccine that works, that we can get, get rid of, of, of COVID. I, I mentioned this. Uh, we, had, we, we hadn't said it in the last no, we last while we got away with it. Um, but, um, you know, I think um, and then once we try to get back to some sort of normality that we keep 
the inclusiveness and flexibility of this kind of new world. And I think, you know, as well with, with educational institutions going more online, people can more, now access education more readily and more easily as well. And I think that will be really important for people as well. Um, but I think it's really important for people then to, to take those opportunities and, and take that leap in terms of, of the new world um, and make sure that you're ready for it. Gavin, thank you so much um, just for sharing all your experience and insights. Um, it's it's so valuable and there are so many takeaways um, from what you shared today on how we can create a more diverse and inclusive, not just organisations, but society. And, um, you know, hopefully, as you've said there, from 2020, actually come greater opportunities for do this, certainly in Ireland. Um and I think, you know, my, my key takeaway is this, this, this isn't just, you know, a company or, you know, a, you know, a group um, agenda that's, you know, individually, everyone can, can take yeah. responsibility for driving change um, and create um, a more inclusive society. So, um, so, so, so many takeaways. And uh I think we could we could speak to you for for hours, Gavin, um, just given all your your experience in this area. But we thank you so much for your time and joining us on our podcast. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Thanks. Thanks.